Lord, thank you for this morning, God. God, my heart is already warmed with worship, with your presence, Lord. And God, we ask that our hearts would become a sanctuary for your holy habitation. God, I pray, may the flame of the Holy Spirit burn on that altar of our heart today as we open your word. So anoint your word. Bless it, God, with your spirit. We ask that you speak to us, Lord. Give us a special word this morning. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, we return to here our study in the book of Romans. And last week, remember, we actually learned that this book of Romans is a letter. Most of your Bibles will say the letter uh, by of Paul to the Romans or the epistle in the, in the King James. I'm reading out of the ESV here. And so we understand this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote both to Jews and Gentile believers in the city of Rome. And I wanted to remind you or bring up that last week we saw first and for, foremost Paul describes himself, you can see in verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. And remember, we, we looked into that word. In the Greek, it's actually doulos, the bondservant. That Paul, he willingly and lovingly, he dedicated uh, himself to be a servant of the Lord, which some servants back then would do that to their master. So we see first and foremost, I want to bring this up in your minds as we get into our passage today, that Paul is a servant, a servant to God, serving God and serving the people, the believers there. And so this morning, we're going to get a little more peek into his heart. And I titled our message, The Heart of the Servant, The Heart of the Servant Paul, This Servant Paul. And in this next uh, uh, section of passage in this Uh, that we're looking at, we're going to see that come out in the words that he's saying. So that's why I titled it, The Heart of the Servant. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 1 from verse 8 through 15, picking up on verse 8 where we last left uh, last week. Now, as I was studying, I came across this poem on serving, and I want to read it to you. There's a clever young guy named somebody else. There's nothing this guy can't do. He is busy from morning till way late at night, just substituting for you. You're asked to do this. You're asked to do that. And what is your ready reply? Get somebody else to do that job. He'll do it much better than I. So much to do in this weary old world. So much in workers so few. And somebody else, all weary and worn, is is still substituting for you. The next time you're asked to do something worthwhile, just give this ready reply. If somebody else can give time and support, my goodness, so can I. I like that, yeah. Well, sometimes that's the attitude we have, right, in serving the Lord. It's like, oh, I don't know, God, Get, get somebody else. And, and well, you know, being a servant for the Lord, it's important. What is in our heart? What is our attitude? And even what, if we're ready to serve, it matters what's in our heart still. I believe as John Blanchard said this, Christian service is not meant to be a formality, burn, burdening of the mind, but a fire burning in the heart. And this is what I want you to see inside of Paul, his servant's heart and what burns inside of there. And so in Romans chapter 1, from verse 8 through 15, we see Paul's heart, the heart 
of the servant. Now, there's five things we're going to see in our passage, five things about Paul, how he's a servant, his heart of a servant. And we see, number one, he's thankful. Number two, he's prayerful. Number three, he's thoughtful. Number four, he's helpful. And number five, he's fruitful. So we're going to see those five things in our passage here today. But let's begin here in Romans chapter 1, verse 8. Number one. You know what Paul is? He's thankful. He's thankful. That's the type of servant he is. He's thankful. Take a look with me here in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on uh, the table back there. Of course, we have our phones, yeah, and our tablets and everything. That's okay. I have my iPad too and everything. But if you can look at Romans chapter 1, verse 8, Paul writes, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Now, as we come into verse 8, Paul had written about himself. This is who wrote the letter. We saw that last week. This is who it's to the believers, uh, Jews and Gentiles in Rome. He gave a little blessing above this verse, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he, he, he's still actually in the introduction. Introduction is actually going to last till verse 17, which we'll get to next week. But he's part, partly in an introduction of this letter, and he's getting into this part where, you know what, normally even in his other letters, he thanks the people, uh, he thanks God for the people, I should say, that he's writing to. Some of his letters and epistles in the New Testament, he breaks out into a prayer, kind of this thankfulness to God, uh, moves into a prayer but and here this is paul doing the same thing that he normally does and he says first of all first you guys i thank god i thank my god through jesus christ so he's very thankful here he he thank he's thanking god for these believers in rome that's what he's really saying look i i i really thank you thank the lord for you guys now, just just a quick note here. I like how he says here, for I thank what? My God. It really speaks of his intimacy with the Lord. You know, this is like sometimes, I, you know, I love it when I, some of the song says, my Jesus. You know, I love thee. Or, or you hear someone pray, oh, you're my Lord. You know, it just speaks of that love and that heart for God. And it, it really shows his intimacy with God here. And God isn't just some distant being somewhere, you know, that he just does ritual prayers to. But he really has this relationship with the Lord God. So he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, for all the believers in Rome. For what? Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So he's grateful to God for these Roman believers in that they, they had faith in Christ. They came to Christ, were saved by the gospel of Jesus, and they lived that life out. They lived their faith out in such a way that Jesus really is their Savior. And you know what? The whole world or all of the Roman Empire, that's what he's really you know, saying back then in ancient times, which Rome was, was the, the, the ruler, right, of the known world at that time. He says, everyone in Rome knows about you guys. It's spoken about you guys. Your, your testimony, your lives really speak of 
how much faith you really have in Jesus, that you, you guys are really true believers in the Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul, he's thankful for their integrity, their credibility for these guys. They're the real thing. And everybody knows it. You know, I like this because I, I just want to stop and think about how Paul, the one thing he thanks God for is their faith, that Jesus is in their life. It, I, I've been on mission trips all over the world, and, and doing that, we sometimes we'll go see sites. Like, um, I've been to Westminster Abbey in London. I don't know if you've ever been there and walked through that. It's, it's a big old church, right? And, and all the stone churches, you know, those stone churches and stained glass and everything. I, I remember being in Venice, Italy and going to St. Marcos or St. Mark Church, you know, and, and Marcos Square there and got a latte there like in the movies in the square. But I remember going in the church there and, and, and seeing that magnificent building. I remember um, on that same trip when we went to Venice, we were doing outreach concerts um, in Austria. And even one time we actually played in this stone, old stone uh, Catholic church. And the sound was echoing all over. It was, it was terrible. But it was just so cool. It's like, oh, playing, you know, rock music in a Catholic church like that. But it, it was cool. It was a great outreach. But you know, sometimes we think of, oh, yeah, I, I know these guys. I know their church. But Paul isn't so much saying, oh, yeah, because of your church building or the architecture or the stained glass. No, what he brings up is their faith. Not the pastor, not anything like that, but Jesus, their belief in Jesus. And, and I, I, that touches my heart. I hope we're known for Jesus, and not so well, we don't have a great building, but, you know, or not even me, or, or that it's about Jesus, yeah? That's what I hope we're known for. And so Paul, first and foremost now, is thankful to God for these believers, for their faith. Now, I want you to understand something. Remember, I mentioned Paul wrote. The, this book of Romans that we hold in our hands, it was when he was on his third missionary journey. He was in the city of Corinth. And if you read like around Acts 20 or so, you'll find out that when he's writing this in Corinth, you know what? There's some stuff going on. There's persecution going on. Uh, the Jews are plotting to kill him there. Around that this time too, he knows God is uh, uh, sending him to Jerusalem. He's leading him to Jerusalem. And it's been prophesied, hey, Paul, when you get to Jerusalem, you're, you're going to be in prison. You could die there. Even the Ephesian guys are saying, don't go, Paul, don't go. But Paul goes, what? I'm ready to die for Christ. God wants me to go. I'm going. So when he writes, that, oh, I'm, I thank my God. Think about the circumstances that are surrounding him right now. It's not that great. But, in the middle of all this trouble, he found something to be thankful for. And that's what I really want you to see this morning. This servant was always thankful no matter what was going on. This servant was always thankful. You know, uh, there was the time when Paul was 
in house arrest at the end of Acts. He was you know, basically in house arrest in Rome. He couldn't go on the mission field. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't do what he's, he was called to do. But you know what? That's when he wrote in Ephesians 1.16, in Philippians 1.3 during that time, in Colossians 1.3, in Philemon 4. You know what he always said in those letters? I thank my God always. Isn't that interesting? See, this is Paul. This is this servant. This servant was always thankful, no matter what's going on, if he was able to do ministry or not, if his life was threatened or not, if he was in prison, if, if the whole situation was so bad, this servant was always thankful. You know, many spend their time focusing on what they don't have, on how bad things are rather than thanking God for what we do have, right? We can always find something that we can thank God for, can't we? I mean, for me, no matter what's going on, Lord, I thank you for you and my salvation that you saved me, no matter what's going on. I mean, I, I wouldn't know God unless it was for Jesus reaching out to me. So even if that's the simplest thing, we always can find something to thank God for, the blessings that he's given. Uh, uh, the, uh, we have food, yeah? We have clothes. Maybe uh, if you have a car, you know, things that, uh, yeah, maybe life is falling apart and all these things are going on, but still, you can look to God and be thankful. I was thinking about how, like, if, I, I almost brought one, but say I brought a, a, a glass of water, right? And it, it, it was, the water was filled it only to half, right? And, and you, know, you know what that is, right? And I, if I were to ask you, now, do you see this as half empty or half full? And everyone would, would have probably their perspective. Me, I'm more the optimist. Oh, no, it's half full. Yeah, you know. Some of you are more pessimist by nature, which it's okay. I'm not saying it's bad. But we have all of our... Uh, the way we see things in situations, don't we? I was thinking about Paul. Is Paul, in light of what we're talking about, he's always thankful. You think he was an optimist or a pessimist? Maybe an optimist, maybe. You know what I came up with? You know what? Paul's a realist. That's what he is. He knows there's a situation going on. He knows that his life is threatened. He knows that there's trouble all around. Yeah? And he's concerned, but he prays, and he's trusting God in that. But then at the same time, he's grateful to the Lord for what he's done. He's grateful for, to the Lord for these believers, right? Christians that are, are walking this planet, glorifying God to where oh, the whole Roman Empire knows about these believers. He's like, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, that really shows his heart, right? Where are we, though? Yeah, yeah, we could be pessimists or optimists, wherever you fall in that. But I think it's important we're realists. Yeah, there's situations, but we pray and trust God in them. And then we are grateful for any of the blessings that are going on. Sometimes I think we get so focused on our own troubles that we forget and not even acknowledge what God may be doing in other people's lives. How about that? That's what he's doing here. So here's Paul. This servant was always thankful. This is his heart, the heart of the servant. 
He's thankful. Let's go to number two. He's also prayerful, prayerful. Here we're going to look at verse 9 and the first part of verse 10. So verse 9, he says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, in verse 10, always in my prayers. We'll stop right there. So here's Paul now. He's opening up his heart. We're getting a peek into him right now. And, and I like what he says here in verse 9. For God is my witness. In other words, God knows. God knows my heart here. I, I, he can testify for me. Whom I serve with my spirit, the gospel of the Son, the gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing Christ and all that. Well, I like how he terms this, whom I serve with my spirit. You know what he's saying? He's a servant. He serves the Lord with what? His spirit, his heart. That's really the idea here. The NLT translates this, I serve the Lord like with all my heart. So he, he's coming out saying, Look, guys, this, this comes from my heart. Uh, when I'm going to talk to you, what he's talking about is, 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 is from his heart. We get a peek into his heart here. It, it's not like he's forced to do this. Well, I got to go see you guys. I got to come. I'm writing this, you know, because, well, God told me so. You know? you know, it's coming from his heart. It's what he really wants to do because it's in there. He, Paul's, he's not like those Pharisees, right, who serve God to get the prestige, people to look up at them, or the Pharisees that they wanted the position because there you get the money, you, you get the power over the people. That, that wasn't Paul. He's not serving the Lord out of some ritual because the law tells him to, but it, it, it's because of his heart, because of love. That's, that's what he's saying. And so he says, look, God knows my heart. God, God he, he knows. He sees it. He's my witness. I, I love you guys. I do this from my heart. And what does he do? He says that without ceasing now, uh, I mention you always in my prayers. So now he brings up how prayerful he is. Uh, it's interesting. He says without ceasing always. I mean, isn't that the same thing? But he's piling on these, you know, what is it, adjectives, adverbs, what? <laughs> All, he's piling it on there to say, look, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm, always pr- I'm always there praying for you guys. I'm, I'm constantly bringing you up before the Lord. I like it, to put it this way. He never takes them off his prayer list. <laughs> I like that, yeah? It's not like, okay, answered prayer. Okay, he put it to the side. No, they're always there. The box is never checked. It's always, they're always on his mind. And God knows his heart here. This is Paul, though. Isn't this how he is? We see so many of his prayers in the epistles. He breaks out into these prayers. Uh, They're beautiful prayers if you ever study them. They're a great pattern for us to learn from and know how to pray. But he's always praying for the church, for the people in the church, for these believers in the different cities. And here he is. He, he's showing us that we're seeing in his heart. He's praying for the Roman believers. You know, I, I, I think about Paul's heart here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. He, he writes this. Now, this is after the whole list of the armor of God now. And he comes into, and I think, 
there's one more piece of armor, which is prayer. But he comes into verse 18 in Ephesians 6, and he says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for who? All the saints, for everybody. This is Paul. This is what he was into. He is always prayerful. So this servant was always prayerful, keeping other believers continually in prayer. And that speaks to me, you guys. That, that, that's got to speak to all of us. Yeah? Well, you know, one of the greatest ways to serve, as we're talking about being servants of the Lord, one of the greatest ways that we can serve the Lord is to pray for one another, to, to go into intercession, to, to, to pray in an intercessory way, to pray for someone, pray for your family, pray for your friends, pray for your neighborhood, praying for those you run into, having problems, praying for people in the church, praying for that other person. I think that that's one of the greatest ways we can serve the Lord. And, and that's what Paul is doing. He's saying, look, I, I serve from my heart. I love you guys. I, I care about you guys so much that I'm constantly, unceasingly, always praying for you, you guys. And I love that about Paul. He's all the time, all the time, he's all the time, morning, noon, night, praying for these guys. I like to put a little little alarm on my Apple Watch, you know, and um, I have it set at a certain time during the day. And I guess for me, it comes from when um, Daniel would pray like morning, noon, and night. You know, that was his thing, turn to Jerusalem. But I, I set an alarm on my watch that in the middle of the day, it goes off, and I like to stop and just pray for people, pray for whoever God puts on my heart. I've, through the years, I've had different um, apps, you know, we can... Uh, modern technology today. I mean, uh, I, I like this. I, I got this new app recently. It's called Echo. And it's actually a, a prayer app. And you can, hit a, you can set it up and then you could put prayer requests on there. And, and I, I need that because I'm getting old. I'm forgetting things, you know. Um, some of you, it's okay. Use paper. It's okay. You know, write down a list, yeah. Uh, but anything to help you to keep praying for People. This is Paul. This is how he serves the Lord and how he serves the people uh, in all the churches and here specifically in Rome to, to be praying for others in an intercessory way. He's all, this servant was always prayerful. And let me say this. Praying for others, you know what? God uses that to get us off focus of ourselves. He does. He does. Uh, I mean, I know for me, it helps me to stop always thinking about me and my problems, yeah? And when I start to pray for someone, someone else, you know what? It really gives me a break from my own pain and suffering. And maybe that's part of the plan of God anyway, yeah? To help us get off of ourselves, always focusing on me, but focusing on other people to the place where yeah, we get a break, but then we find strength in the Holy Spirit. And then it helps us make it through another, another uh, day. So God is calling us. His command, as I showed you, Ephesians 6.18, is to be praying always for all 
the saints. And this is Paul. That's what he's doing. This servant was always prayerful. Well, here's the heart of this servant, Paul. He's thankful. He's prayerful. And let's go to number three. He's thoughtful. He's thoughtful. Now, verse 10, he goes on in the second part, always in my prayers, asking, he goes on, that somehow by God's prayers, uh, or ask somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you. Stop right there. Here's Paul now. He, he prays, and one of the things he likes to pray, he wants, he's praying for, is he wants to go see these guys. Now, Paul had never been to Rome. Uh, none of his missionary journeys or anything, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But he wants to go. He wants to see these guys. And I think that's amazing because he's never met these guys. I mean, think about that. He's never been there. He's heard about them. He knows they're believers, but he's like, oh, I love you guys. I I, want to see you guys. I've heard about you, but I want to go see you, see you. And I love the servant's heart too, just a note, by God's will, right? Paul, in his prayer, seeking God's will to come and see the believers in, in, in Rome. I like Paul. That, that's a servant of the master Jesus. Is he wants to do and go when the Lord wants him to go. And that, that's important for all of us. But he longs to see him. The word is, uh, means like he yearns. He's yearning. His, his heart is breaking. And he doesn't even, he never met these guys. But he has a deep desire to be with them, to spend time with them. I, uh, for me, that is so thoughtful. Yeah? To me, that is so thoughtful that he's thinking of them, that he wants to be with them, that he, even though he never met them, he's, he's like, oh, guys, you know, we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I want to be t- together with you. And that's so thoughtful of Paul. You know, on my birthday, I, I, I usually get um, a lot of... Um, uh, posts in Facebook. I don't know if you guys get that too, yeah? Even from people like, who's that person? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But, but there's one person every year I get a birthday wish from, and it's from Dave Corson, John Corson's brother, Dave Corson, and his, his wife, Robin. They used to be here on Maui. You know what? They're on this South Pacific island as missionaries. He was always a missionary, a missionary at heart. And I'm always touched by it, not just what he says, but you know what, I'm always touched because I remember one time I was trying to communicate to him and he wrote back saying, oh, sorry, I, I could, you know, there's no internet unless I go way over here and travel far. And I'm thinking, what? He, he wished me happy birthday even though he has no internet. He must have, it must have t- taken a lot of effort, you know, and time for him to be there. And I'm, I'm always touched in that way. Well, I think this is Paul, yeah? I, I want to come see you guys. I'm praying for that. I mean, it's going to take a lot of effort on his part. It's going to take some time and, and money to travel all the way over there. He's facing all these dangers already. His life is threatened. you think he'd run away somewhere else, but go to Rome? The heart where the Caesar is persecuting people, right? But he wants to go see them, and he's thoughtful. This servant was always thoughtful ready to take the time and make the effort, even if it's hard. That's Paul. It wasn't about himself. It was about others. It wasn't about him, his safety, what's going on in his life. No, 
Lord, I know all this stuff is going on and people need this and uh, ministering here and the Jews are plotting and all that. But you know what? Lord, I want to go see these guys. I'm thinking of them. I'm praying for them. That's Paul, always thoughtful, making that effort. I want to read to you something John Wesley. Uh, he, this is how he defines a true servant. He says, uh, a true servant is to do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. I love that. That's Paul. That's his heart. That, he's so thinking of these people, so thoughtful in that way. He's, he wants to go see them. You know, um, some, some of us, were, we're loners. I would call. I mean, for me, I, I, I think I could be alone. I'd be, I'd be okay, you know. Uh, some of us, we don't have to be with people and see people. Some, some loners, they, they check out a society. They don't want to show their shame or they can't face some shame. But let me tell you, God heals you. And God can heal you. And because, you know, let me say this. God, when we come to Christ, he heals us of this loner mentality because he wants you and I, every one of us, to be part of the body of Christ. That's why. To belong to this ohana. To, to come together and be with each other. And Paul, he probably could easily, uh, I don't need to go there. Why, why should I? No, but he wants to go where God wills and be with the other believers some of you guys are the opposite you're some of you guys are social butterflies <laughs> fluttering from from group to group place to place and some people even come church for that yeah not so much the word or the worship or jesus oh i just want to be with people oh i only eat food with everybody yeah and some people are like that and that's good that's great you've, you know you're one step you know ahead of the the loner guys yeah but the reason we come and gather and say we eat or the reason we fellowship is not for the socialness or whatever reason that is. But it's because God has placed us together yeah, as a body of Christ, as believers, uh, uh, uniting together, connecting with one another. And that's what's important. We don't gather for our, to fulfill our social needs. Yeah. But we gather because Christ wants us to. And now in Jesus, we belong to one another. We're one family. We're a body of Christ. And so I could see Paul like, oh, these are my brothers and sisters over there in Rome. I want to go see them. I want to go hang with them. And so he's thinking of them, being thoughtful of wanting to be with those he cares and loves. So this is the heart of a servant, you guys. This is Paul. He's thankful, he's prayerful, he's thoughtful. And number four, he's helpful. He's helpful. Look at verse 11 and uh, 12 here. Verse 11, the second part. It, uh, it goes on, let's see, verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So Paul's like, I'm praying for God's will that I can see you guys, to fellowship with you guys. I'm really thinking of you guys. Because you know what? When I come, I want to be helpful. I want to help you guys out. That maybe in some 
way I could impart, that I could somehow transfer to you some spiritual gift. Now, most commentators say they believe Paul is talking about his teaching, right? And he's, he's, he's a huge teacher here. I mean, we have in our Bibles like doctrine and theology that, that he's written in these letters. And we learn about God and who Jesus is, what he's done, who we are in Christ, what he's done for us and the future heaven, all of that. And so Paul's like, you know, basically he wants, well, I want to be a spiritual benefit to you guys. I want to help you guys grow in the Lord. I want to minister to you so you would be established in the word. So here's Paul. His heart is that these believers will grow spiritually and get stronger and stronger. And uh, let me tell you, that is something we see in Paul's heart. It burns on his heart. Uh, his desires for all believers to be established in Jesus Christ. Listen, like in Ephesians 4.15, he says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Here's Paul, this is, this is what I'm teaching. This is what I'm giving to you. Or like in Colossians 1.28, he writes, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. You see, Paul isn't just some fly-by-night preacher come into town, give his thing, grab his money, and go. No, he really, really cares that the people grow in Jesus. And I love this heart. In Galatians 4.19, he says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I love that heart. That's what Paul wants. It's not about him or speaking in front of people or teaching. He really, really cares for each individual believer that they would grow in Jesus Christ. And, and that's my hope too, you guys. Here, here, this, like Paul, this servant, all that Paul did, all his efforts was for all believers to grow and be established in Jesus. For believers to experience experience God in their life. And, and that's my heart here too, that in the worship, that in the word, that as we're singing like earlier, oh, I was telling Zach before we started, I was like, oh, I was just so touched, you know, just feeling the presence of God. And that's what I want for everyone, that when you come here, it's not about, oh, listen to the nice music, you know, kind of thing. No, la, 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 all right, woo, nice. No, but it's to really meet with God, to 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 experience the Holy Spirit moving among you. And same as we study the Word of God, that, the, that here the worship, the Word, our prayers, our fellowship would help you to be established in Christ, that Christ would be formed in you. Now, Paul says something interesting in verse 12 here. Yeah, he, he's coming to help and help them grow. But in verse 12, he says something great. He says, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I love that. Because Paul's not like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to come and give my thing. right? He goes, no, I want to learn from you guys too. I want to be encouraged from you guys too. I want to learn about your faith. I want to hear about what's going on and what you've learned, what God's shown you. And I, yeah, I want to help you guys grow. But hey, I want, I want to receive too. Here we see the humility of the servant Paul. I mean, think about it. This is the apostle Paul. 
I mean, he's one of my heroes in the Bible, you know. I mean, he's, he's, he's probably the greatest theologian, right? God used him to bring in doctrine and, and help us see God and the truth of who he is and who Jesus is, what salvation is about. He's, he's a great teacher. I mean, we're learning that. We're going to be learning so much in Romans. He's the apostle God had called. He, he's, he's probably one of the greatest missionaries. I mean, he went around starting churches. Many, many was saved through his ministry. But here's Paul. Oh, I want to learn from you too. I want to hear from you. I want to be encouraged too. Paul's not some know-it-all, full of pride, come to just unload, dump his stuff. Oh, I come to help you. No, this true servant of the Lord with a true heart, you know what? He's thankful, he's prayerful, he's thoughtful, he's helpful, and being helpful, he's also humble. He's humble. He's humble. He's willing to minister and also willing to be ministered back to. So this servant was always helpful, ministering to others and humble enough to receive it back. Uh, maybe some of you have been on like um, short-term mission trips, you know, going to another country, you know, 10 days, 12 days or whatever. Maybe you guys gone. I, I have to tell you, every short-term mission trip I, I've ever went on, I mean, we, we go to serve, we go to help, we, we go to give. I'll tell you what, every trip I've ever been on like that, I've also received. Yeah. God has just blessed me from these guys. And we're, we're flying back, and it's the same talk every time. Wow, we went to help them do this, but you know what? They minister to our hearts. I feel like I'm stronger in the Lord. I feel like my faith is, 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 is greater now. I feel I'm trusting God more. Even though we went to encourage him, they encouraged us. But that's the way God works. Listen, this servant was always helpful. Paul, he ministered to He was always helpful. He ministered to others, but he was humble enough to receive. And, and let me say this, in, in light of that, that he was humble enough to receive. You know, sometimes we can get in this mode or the stand, right? Like, you know, I, I'm, I don't, uh, if, you know, someone wants to help you, give you something. No, I'm okay. I'm all right. But you know, you're not and you really need, but you're like, no. Nah. I mean, I've heard some guys say, you know, if, when I, if I get older, I get bedridden. You know what? I'd rather not be here. Then someone have to take care of me. And, and, and I've, I, I never knew how to respond, but in, in, in looking at this, I was thinking, you know what? Okay, you know, you don't want to be around, whatever, but how about the people who love you yeah, and still care for you and still want you around even if you're bedridden? How about them? But we're always thinking about ourselves. And I think, really, it's pride. Yeah. I think it's pride. I think, I, I think we're prideful that, oh, well, if I can't do anything else, then... Uh, but it's not about you, right? It's about, perhaps, God humbling you yeah, to the place where you're willing. You get to a place where you're not willing, but you have to receive, and then you become willing to receive. I ran into a guy the other day, and he had knee surgery on one of his knees. And I said, oh, how's that going? He said... Oh, God broke me. In other words, broke his spirit. Because he was that type of person. 
No, I, I never like help anyone. But here he was forced. He couldn't do anything. And he's, I forgot how he said it, but he said, oh, it, it affected me spiritually that he had to receive. But you know what? It brought him to Jesus. It broke that selfish pride and brought him to that place to receive. This is Paul. He's willing to receive whatever the Lord has. See, it was Paul, for him, this servant, it's not about him. It's never about Paul, yeah? That he has to be the giver, he has to be the guy, and when he can't, oh, forget it, then I'm done. No, he's, he's open to what Jesus wants. He understands how the body of Christ works. It's not about one guy. It's not about this person. It's not about that at all. It's about all of us serving one another. I, I, I like um, something that um, I always, in my mind, I came across the 40th president of the United States was Ronald Reagan. And they say there was a sign on his desk in the Oval Office that read this. There is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. I love that. I love that, guys. So here's Paul, the heart of, his heart of the servant we're getting a peek into. As we see, he's thankful, he's prayerful, he's thoughtful, he's helpful. And now number five, our last thing we see is he's fruitful. He's fruitful, and that's his heart. He wants to be fruitful. Here, we'll finish up the, the last verses for this morning from verse 13 through 15. And, and he says here, I, I do not uh, want you to be unaware, brethren, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. In order that I, he wanted to come, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under the obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, to wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So here's Paul. He said, you know, I, I, I want you guys to know this. That Yeah, I want to come. I want to be with guys. I want to minister. And I, I want you guys to, not to be unaware here that, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far been prevented. I really want to come for so long. But I've been prevented. Why, how has he been prevented? We don't know exactly. He doesn't say. But we pretty much could speculate it's probably persecution. Uh, it could be the devil himself, you know, stopping, uh, uh, trying to stop Paul from all, all the work. And, you know, he, a lot of people getting saved under him, even Jews and, uh, and Gentiles. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. And, or maybe even it was, we saw in the book of Acts, it could be God himself, that it wasn't God's will for him to go yet. But he was prevented, but he wanted them to know that he really wanted to come. And, and, and that's why he never made it to Rome. That's what he's saying. And so he wanted to come, why? In order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So Paul's like, you know, I really wanted to come to reap some harvest. What is he talking about? Well, remember Jesus used that terminology, that analogy that the harvest is great, the laborers are full. He's talking about the harvest of souls, of people getting saved. So Paul wanted to come to, to be part 
of bringing in the harvest of souls and giving the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that, that was his heart. He wanted to come and, and share Jesus so more people w- could get saved and that harvest, to, that fruit would come out of all his efforts. Now, he's saying, look, I, I, I never made it to you guys, but that, that was my heart. I, I wanted to share Jesus with you guys over there. And then that's what he was doing all over too, wasn't he, yeah, on his mission trips. Now, he says something interesting in verse 14. I am under obligation, both Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and foolish. Now, just to get kind of resolve in your mind, when he says Greeks and barbarians, uh, back then that was a saying in ancient time. The Greeks were the ones who were schooled. Barbarians were the uneducated. So it was just a saying they had. Uh, he he kind of says it in this a second way, oh, the wise and the foolish. Same thought. So Paul's like, look, I'm on my obligation. I'm obligated to the educated and the, the uneducated. Basically, everybody in the world he wants to go after to share Jesus. That, that's what he's saying. But the interesting thing is how he put it in verse 14. I am under obligation. Now, why is he saying that? Obligation? What, what, what is he saying over there? Uh, the old King James says, I am a debtor. Yeah. And that really gets closer to what he's trying to say. But he's indebted. He has this obligation. And here, let, let me give you what he's saying. He's indebted. He has this obligation to society to right the wrongs that he had done. Let me explain. We know, right, before Christ, he was a destroyer of people, wasn't he? We've studied in the book of Acts on Wednesday how he went out as they persecuted. He went to grab Christians to, to, to bring them before the council in Jerusalem, throw them and imprison them because he felt like as this Pharisee that they're blaspheming God, dishonoring God by saying Jesus is the Messiah. So he was zealous enough to go after Christians, to, to grab them, even take party of, to their death. I mean, he might even killed some of these Christians either, uh, also. And so before Christ, he was a destroyer of people. But now by God's grace, as God has called him as this apostle to the Gentiles, as this apostle, now he bears this message that saves people. So do you understand now what he's saying? He's saying, look, I'm here. I have this obligation to society to, to, to bring Jesus now. Before I was trying to destroy these Christians, but now I want to bring people to Jesus so they would be saved. Now he wants to make amends yeah, of what he did in the past to benefit society. Let me say it that way. He's not saying, well, this is for me to be saved, and if I do these good works, God will let me get into heaven. He's not saying that, because we know he is written, and we talk about it over and over, that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, right? But he's just saying, you know, for me now, my life is about Jesus. And it's no longer trying to destroy Jesus out of society. Now it's to bring Jesus into society. So my obligation is to make society better now. Do you understand when he, now what he means by this obligation? Paul wants to undo any damage and bring healing 
right, with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. So that's why in verse 15, he goes on, so I'm eager. I can't wait. This is what I'm about. I want to go out there, what, to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. That's why I'm out there. That's why I'm on these mission trips. That's why I don't just stay in Antioch. Remember, we learned that uh, Barnabas and and, uh, Paul were like the pastors of the church in Antioch. But Paul's like, no, we got to get out. We got to go. And he took the missionary, first missionary journey, the second missionary journey. And in Acts, he just started, in our study in Acts, he just started the third one. This is Paul. This is his heart. And so he's saying, look, that's why I'm, I want to come to you guys. I want to share Jesus. That's why I'm thinking about you guys. I want to bring fruit, the fruit of salvation and believers growing in Christ. This is what drives Paul to see the harvest of souls and salvation of Jesus Christ and see the fruit, the spiritual fruit of believers growing and being established in Jesus Christ. He's not going to come and just blow through town. No, he wants to, to, you know, do things, farm or however, plant, water, nurture. That fruit would come about from all his efforts. So our last point, this servant zealously desired to be fruitful. This is Paul. This servant zealously desired to be fruitful, to see people saved, to see souls saved, and to raise the believers in Jesus Christ. You guys know who William Booth is? He's the founder of the Salvation Army, that group, way long time ago. Not like how it is today. But it was really a Christian organization, an organization to bring Jesus Christ into the world. William Booth, uh, who was the founder of the original Salvation Army, he once stood before Queen Victoria of England, and she asked him, well, what do you want? And you know what what he said? His reply was this, Your Majesty, some people's passion is money. Some people's passion is fame. But my passion is the souls of men. That's Paul. I was thinking, oh, that's exactly like Paul. You know, thinking about where Paul came from, some of us, maybe we've left a wake of damage in our past. Thinking about what Paul had done, I was thinking, wow, Paul, no wonder he's so eager because God, by grace, saved him. But I'm sure he's thinking about that damage and hurt and pain and suffering that he caused other people, even God's children. So even more so, Paul's like, you know, I'm in... I'm under the obligation. I'm switching things around. I'm going to not bring destruction, but bring life to people's lives. And I think that should be for you and I, you guys. To not wallow in that past anymore, but to get up, to, to go to Jesus, let him bring life into your heart, and then, and then fuel that passion to bring life to other people. Let me ask you this. What kind of fruit are you really looking for in your life? After you receive Christ, what, what is it? 
What is the fruit you're really looking for? I mean, is it things for your own gain? Is it things of your own comfort or convenience? Or is it about the spiritual fruit of the harvest of souls? Or is it being part of a body of Christ, this church, to serve one another, to see people grow in Christ, to see children come to Christ, to see new believers grow in the Lord, to see men or women build a foundation in the Word of God on Jesus Christ? What, what is the fruit we look for? An easy life? Uh, well, tell you what, if you're in Christ, it's not going to be that. <laughs> Sorry. But why are we here? What's, what's your passion? You know what, for Paul, it was to bring God's fruit. Not his own. It's to work that field, work, work the, the, the field of the world to bring in the fruit that God is working out. Let's be like Paul here. As we close, could it be, I mean, it's simple, right, what we saw. Paul, he's thankful and prayerful. He's thoughtful. He's helpful. He's, he wants to be fruitful. He's fruitful. That's what he's about. It's simple things, but could it be that these things are maybe hitting your heart hard? Maybe one of these things harder than the other things? Do you hear the Spirit speaking today? Perhaps you've allowed some of these things to fade in your life. Maybe when you first came to Christ, oh, it was all about this. Yeah, yeah. But now it's kind of softened. And uh, the, the flame is more low now, you know, kind of like a pilot. Like <laughs> right? God wants us to, to flame up. He wants us to get on fire for that. Perhaps it's like colors fading. It's not as vibrant anymore, these things in your life. I'll close with this. And, and with saying that, there was this old German artist by the name of Hoffman. Many of his greatest works uh, are hanging in the Royal Gallery in Dresden, Germany. Now, long ago, from time to time, this artist, Hoffman, would, would come through the door of the gallery with a little pouch that he had filled with paints, his paints and his brushes. He, he would pull them out and spend maybe a couple days touching up his masterpieces where the color had faded, where the canvas maybe started to show through a little bit. This master artist would come in and touch up his own masterpieces. You know what I think? I think God's doing that here right now, today, with you and me. This isn't the first time most of us have heard these things. It isn't. It's not the first time a picture of what a servant's heart should be. It's not the first time we heard things like this. But in this journey of life here, it's so easy, isn't it, to allow these spots to fade, right? Right? Maybe some of the old canvas is showing through. Maybe some spots, there's spots, you know, where the color had faded. And so Jesus gives us his word today to touch up that color in our hearts of serving. Reminding us, changing us, that you know what, 
He's calling us. And if he calls us, we can be the servants of God. And we can get back to having the true heart, the heart of the servant. Let's pray. Lord, as we close up, God, revive us, Lord, today. May that fire, perhaps for you, Lord, has grown cold. Maybe there's a coal left that's barely burning. But God, you want all the coals of our heart to burn. You want us to have a true heart for you. And so, Jesus, may you revive us today. You are Lord. You're, you're our God. You're the one who loves us. You give us mercies that are new every morning. Your compassions fail not, Lord. Your Holy Spirit is speaking and moving among us. And you would not tell us these things unless you want us to hear it and apply it and to live it, God. Lord, you're you're like a coach to us saying, come on, get up, get going. You can do it. But it's more than that, God. You actually give us your, your Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to strengthen us, to actually have the ability to be a servant like this. So, Lord, as we close up here today, God, we offer ourselves up to you. And we ask that you once again, God, forgive us, fill us with your spirit, and may we live for you as your servants. In Jesus' name, amen.